Hi, welcome. I am Joe Posnanski, as always, with Molly Knight. Molly, how are you? I'm uh, I'm doing well. I feel like we, we did okay on our predictions, except for the Phillies didn't come through yesterday when they should have. Yeah, we we're, we're, we're uh, going to talk about that, but we promised you that we would have a uh, another podcast between games five and six, and we promised you also that we would once again be joined by the incredible Ellen Adair, whose voice is not doing that great. Ellen, how are ya? I'm 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 okay. I'm hanging in. <laughs> the yeah. voice the voice sounds a little a little shaky as three days of Philadelphia yelling will do. Uh, how is the like the, you you look you look great as always, but you also look a little I wouldn't say hungover is not the word I would use, but is there a little hangover going? Yeah, well, there's a little bit of uh, general despondency going on. Yeah. And uh, and also that I had to because I'm leaving the country in like 12 hours from now. Wow. And so we just traveled back from Philadelphia this morning. And uh, so I had to in this time period because the entirety of October had been very crazy. I had to get the COVID vaccine, the booster, oh and also the flu vaccine. So yeah, there's there's a little bit of that as well. Um, but I timed it pretty well, where like the time that I felt the worst was not any of the times that I was also responsible to be screaming at the top of my lungs in support of the Phillies. I think a lot of us did this COVID vaccine, flu vaccine thing on the same day, and. Uh... Uh, it that'll leave a mark. It'll 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 leave something on you. But uh, this exciting! So you are going out of the country just in time for games six and seven of the World Series. Is, is this pre-planned or is this more like a James Bond villain escape? What? what yeah, what I definitely. Here? After the last couple of games, I feel like oh no, we're fleeing the country now. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was. I mean, we had planned this a very long time ago, and I don't want to go into too much detail about it, um, just because it's boring. But in as a matter of fact, we were gonna maybe go in October. We were gonna go this summer, but uh, my dear husband lost his passport, and so then we didn't go this summer. Yes, and uh, we have not been on a vacation since our honeymoon, and we have been married for nine years. So okay. just for anybody keeping score. Sure. So we were like, we're, we're going to take this vacation. And we decided to move it to November. And part of my thought in the back of my mind, we yes. were booking our tickets in September as I was like, hmm, what if the Phillies are in the postseason? It'll be nice. It'll be nice to be around, like just in case that happens. Sure. So actually, I feel like we timed it pretty well. It would have been pretty devastating if we'd gone when we originally planned in sort of mid, late October. Yes, yes, you would have missed a bunch of things. Um, but we'll get into all of that. Let's. What we are going to talk about, well, they're, they're really, we don't have a lot of time today, so we're going to focus on two very basic things. One Molly has already hit upon, which is, uh, how we did on our predictions uh, for games uh, three, four, and five, and then uh, and then we're going to talk about what we're kind of expecting in games six and seven. But Molly, uh, we didn't yeah. do too bad. We didn't do too bad. We right? really didn't. I mean, we said it was going to be a split after games one and two, and it was. We said the, that Philly was going to get that first run and crush, you know, stomp on their hearts in game three and win that game. And they did. We said yep. the Astros were going to come back and win game four, and they did. But we thought the Astros were going to, in retrospect, you know, a bullpen game started by Noah Syndergaard against 
Justin Verlander was sort of a bold prediction for us to say that Phillies are going to win that game, but they really probably should have won that game. No, I mean, they had really... Verlander on the ropes, bases loaded, and Reese Hoskins up, and he just had a horrible bat, and then he got, and then Verlander got into a groove after that, and then it was just, you know, well, just was. No, it was. I, I I wrote about this over at my Substack, JoePoznanski.com. I thought the Phillies had lots of chances. I think I thought they they yeah. missed they missed a lot of their pitches in in the game. But I will not to not to try to defend our choice. But I will say, I don't think when we made the prediction, we thought it was going to be Noah Syndergaard versus uh, Justin yeah. Verlander. I think we thought it was going to be Zach Wheeler versus yeah. uh, Justin Verlander, yeah. and uh, basically, Ellen, why wasn't it? Zach Wheeler. Well, it wasn't Zach Wheeler because he is, I don't know, maybe has dead arm. Like it's completely unclear what's going on with him. So they decided uh, the thing that we absolutely got right to me, the difference between predicting that the Phillies were going to win two games and that they were going to win one game of this uh, three game homestand feels profound, a profound <laughs> difference. I do not feel like my prediction was accurate whatsoever. Um, but I do remember Molly saying, the team of chaos wins the chaos or something yeah. of that kind. Yeah. And that's certainly how I felt when we went to the ballpark that night and it was announced that the game was going to be postponed. Yes. And I thought, haha, the team of chaos wins the chaos because now we can start Ranger Suarez and then Aaron Nola. And maybe then we start Zach Wheeler. And then when I said, oh, okay, well, they're going to have to push Wheeler again in order to give him a little bit more time to rest. The thing that concerned me the most, and I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something like when they, when, when reporters asked Wheeler, how was your bullpen? He was like, time will tell. <laughs> like, oh boy, that <laughs> inspires a lot of confidence. Yep. You know, it was sort I of like the, it is what it is of uh, yeah, that's, that press conference great. responses. Not great. I definitely don't mean to piss on Philly fans bliss right now, but this reminds me a lot of what happened to the Dodgers last year when they kept saying, oh, Max Scherzer. Oh, yeah, yeah you he's know, fine. he's going to bounce yeah. back. He's fine. They kept saying it. They kept saying it. They kept saying it until, like, the morning of the game and all of a sudden Walker Bueller was starting on short rest for the first time in his career, which also may have hastened his demise into, you know, I mean, who knows? I, I don't know, into the arm problems he's having now, but – they teams, there's no, there, there's literally no reason why if Zach Wheeler, if the Phillies know Zach Wheeler is not ready to go tomorrow, there's no reason why they should reveal that, right? They should like let the Astros spend this time scouting and preparing for Wheeler, yeah, right? I think that's right. And, and I'm not saying, I don't mean to be a conspiracy theory. Or no, no, I think that's right. I think you have to, you have to but you protect yourself. I am sure. very worried that he didn't pitch last night. Um, well, that's it, here's my thought on it. Yeah. They were like, well, maybe a little bit of dead arm, give him a couple extra days to rest. I mean, and I mean this with no offense at all. Noah Syndergaard's been had dead arm for like two years, right? I mean, like, like I mean, that's Noah Syndergaard is throwing like seven miles an hour slower than he was two yeah. years ago, and and so if you are in that sort of desperate state where you have to start Noah Syndergaard that's not a promising sign that even if Zach Wheeler starts that he can be effective or that he can go a particularly long time. And, and obviously that's, that's, that's very sad, right? I mean, like the, the that's a crushing blow for a team that, that felt so 
uh, you know, that everything had been going so well and to, to lose Wheeler. And if, if they have even, even a lesser Wheeler going into these final two games, obviously that hurts their chances a lot. Well, m- oh, go, Molly, go say, I mean, however, even if Zach Wheeler can't go tomorrow, um, and maybe it's true, maybe they just were going to give him two days extra C and they truly don't know. And they're hopeful that he can go tomorrow and everything will be fine. Even if he can't go, we still don't know how this is going to play out. I mean, this is the team of chaos, the team of destiny. We have seen Houston recently, three years ago, lose two World Series games at home, game six and seven to the Nationals. Nobody gave the Nationals a chance in that scenario, and, and it happened. So um, I, I, I don't think it's... Well, I, I'd like to hear Ellen's yeah. thoughts on this Ellen, also. Yeah, your because, thoughts on this. Because I got to tell you, I kind of disagree with you. I, I don't think they can win. Ugh. this this series without Zach Wheeler. I mean, you've got you've got uh you know, obviously you've got um, you know, Framber going. He's he's ridiculously good. You're going to have some version of Javier either out of the bullpen or starting the game in on short rest. Um I don't I don't think you match up. I mean, that's my thought, but Ellen, you've been a lot closer to the situation. What do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, just to to go back to what Molly said about Phillies fans bliss. I don't think very many Phillies fans feel like a whole lot of bliss right now. And I think that that goes to your very correct prediction that for 10 minutes, you're like, Oh my God, I'm here. It's the world series. And then you're like, ah, they have to win this. And, and I feel like, and I, and I will get back to Wheeler and the next game in just one second, but I feel like for me, this entire postseason has very much hinged on expectation and the joy of the unexpected, which was something that I had talked about last time. And I think the real reason that I am truly heartbroken today is, number one, yes, all of the different ways in which the Phillies could have won the game last night, and they didn't, which I'm happy to enumerate if we've got time. And number two, that game three was the first time that I thought, the Phillies are going to win the World Series. Mm-hmm. Like, I had thought they could win prior to that time, but it was the first time. You know, like, we had Keith Law tweeting out, I think maybe the Phillies are good. And I was like, well, if, if even Keith Law thinks that the, maybe the Phillies are good, maybe the Phillies are good, you know? Maybe we tie this up at home. So yeah. Yeah. coming then off of that into the no-hitter in Game 4, which I am uh, simply... I, I like to think of myself as like, I'm just a fan of the game and I can appreciate excellence on other teams. This is not one of those situations. Yeah. Like, yeah. I am not remotely thrilled to have there's, been at one of the only no hitters in World Series there's history. There's no need to apologize for that. Joe and I have discussed this at length and we yes. agree. Yes, it's a no hitter, but it's not really a no hitter. I mean, you you know, it's like like you didn't see you didn't see Sandy Koufax throw a perfect game or Roy Halladay or or um, you know Don Larson or any of that. You saw like sabermetrics working, and the product is is not as exciting as if it had been one dude. Well, no one will remember it. Like, I don't think that would have been exciting for me either in this particular case. <laughs> yeah. You know, no. well, certainly for <laughs> but you. I just mean, like, but no, you're but not going right. to tell your kids. Oh, I was there. I was there for that that Don Larson game that everyone's still talking about fifty years later. Like, no one's going to be talking about the combined no hitter in fifty years. No one. Well, and I think maybe that's, Houston fans. 
Yeah. Maybe, but I think Houston fans, if 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 things, we'll He's see what happens them. in the series. There are other things they'll remember. Yeah, you know, I think this is what it, the case. I mean, the Dodger fans who were there for Don Larson's perfect game were devastated, utterly devastated. But fifty years later, if they were at that game, they will tell you they were at that game. They will tell okay. you, "Oh, I was there. I was. I saw the only perfect game in World Series history, and and it was terrible. I hated it, but it was. I was there." Nobody is going to say. I mean, they might say I was there, but nobody's going to be like impressed with that yeah. because the game. Here's here's I, I I've had arguments with people who've you know said, "Hey, look, it's." It's the only time it's ever happened, uh, the combined no-hitter in World Series history and blah, 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 blah. And I said, here's what I would say. If somebody, you know, Gene Segura almost had a hit in the eighth inning. He had a line drive. If that lands as a hit, that's just a bad game. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's just a boring game where, where you know, one team was dominated by a terrific starting pitching performance and then a bunch of bullpen guys. They scraped together enough runs and they won. And then nobody goes around thinking that's a classic by any stretch of the imagination. But because it ended up being sort of a no-hitter and whatever. So anyway, but Ellen, that must have been. Is that as miserable a game as you have seen in your in your entire life? Probably, yeah. 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 yeah, it certainly is. I mean, there's 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 argument for like the kind of heartbreak that I saw in game five as well. But I think absolutely be, you know, seeing your team not get any kind of a hit yeah. is worse. And I mean, I remember having this very argument with my husband when the Mets had a combined no hitter right. also versus Aaron Nola <laughs> earlier this year. And he was like, well, but maybe it's more impressive because you've got all of these guys who have great stuff, but oh, I think come on. He the didn't point really say that. he did. He did say right. that. Eric, that's he's that's a great guy in a lot off. of other ways. Yes, but no. The point oh, that you Eric. made about how many times a uh, a reliever has come in and thrown a scoreless inning uh, that you made in your uh, in yeah. your Joe Blogs article was was was, was excellent. Forty times it happened this year. Yeah. To me, the comparison is like: Would you rather have a filet mignon or like steak tips? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you'd rather have the filet mignon, like the thing where it's all together. Everybody agrees that this yes. is just, it might be literally the same amount of cow, but it's not, it's not the same. No, it's and, not. and I mean, for me personally, like, obviously I would have preferred a very boring Phillies win, like an unhistoric, but I actually would have prefer, preferred an unhistoric Phillies loss as well. Yeah. Just like a normal run-of-the-mill World Series loss is what yeah. I personally would have preferred <laughs> than to have seen a combined no-hitter. So, yes, that was that was uh, truly – I mean, I, I still screamed my heart out until the very end and, uh, you know, was, was disappointed with other people in my section for not doing the same. <laughs> it's fine. Everybody chooses to live their World Series dreams in different of ways. Of course. Um, but yeah, and then and then in game five, I think I don't even remember who it was who already alluded to Hoskins leaving oh, the bases loaded yeah. in the second. To yeah. me, in that moment, and this is where it gets back to expectation. I'm tying it all back together, folks. I actually expected Reese Hoskins to do something. Sure. I was like, yeah, like, you yeah. know, like. It, Verlander clearly isn't at his sharpest. He he looks like World Series Verlander so far. And 
we've got the bases loaded, and I just know this is the kind of moment that in the postseason, Reese Hoskins is going to live up to because sure. I saw it in the you know bat spike game versus Spencer Strider. And when he didn't, I was so confounded. But this is the only like possible magical narrative that I can spin because, Joe, I'm with you that I do not think it likely that the Phillies are going to win the World Series at this point. I think that the road is very tough. I'm not going to say it could not possibly happen, and I have a contingency for how it could, but I think it is, I think it is unlikely. And so the only possible magical thinking is the problem is – the problem is they started losing right at the moment when I thought, hmm, the yeah. Phillies could win this. Of you know, course. when when I was I was having this conversation with Jeff Passan before the game, I was like, look, obviously you're going to give the edge to Verlander over Syndergaard and the Phillies bullpen, but the Phillies bullpen has won two other games. So, like, yeah. who knows? Maybe anything could happen, and maybe, maybe that was exactly the error, right? <laughs> You know, and so now this is and this is the only like positive story I can possibly spin is that now because the expectations are that probably the Phillies are maybe even going to lose in the next game, given that it's going to be Framber Valdez and he's amazing. Maybe they will win. I mean, what I'm really rooting for is for them to just get to a game seven. That would that would feel like, you know, a small win within it. Of course. I got to I got to tell you, when that bat happened, I was texting with a friend who um will remain nameless and uh, a baseball writer. And I've just said, Oh my God, if Verlander gives up this, a double here, something happens here, something catastrophic happens here. Like he's never coming back from this. Right. Mm. Like, like this is, cause it was what the second inning that like Ryan Stanek was warming up. The bases were loaded. I mean, he'd already given up a run to, to Schwarber in a home run. And it was like, Oh my God, if he gives up a basis clearing double, they're going to pull him and he's going to have given up, you know, four earned runs and got through, through one inning. And the narrative is literally never going to go away. Like he's finished. And then, you know, my friend wrote back and just said, yeah. And if he gets this out, he's going to, you know, cruise through the rest of the game and the narrative's going to be over. And like, look at it that way. It's like, that's insane. Like that one at bat, right. That like three stupid strikes could alter a narrative of a hall of fame of somebody's 17 year career. So it's, well, that's I mean, the, and it, it but it was, but it, but it was true. Right. Sure. I mean, well, it's like, the power it's, of the world series. Right. And, I mean, that's the, you know, the, and, like, and it's, it's so, you know, and, and people, people forget, obviously Ellen would not forget because she was there hinging on every detail. He, he was in trouble in the third. Also, he had first yeah. and third in the third. And, and the thing that's, frustrating particularly about the Hoskins at bat so bases loaded and Hoskins had a terrible at bat terrible really really bad at bat and and it wasn't like it wasn't like he just got overpowered or or Verlander made mistakes in that at bat that he could not take advantage of and you know he threw a middle middle slider that that's Reese Hoskins eats that for lunch. Mm. I mean, that's just nothing for him. Um, but it's, you know, it's just, it's so, the moment is so big and everything is going on and, and these guys cannot be immune to every element of, of what's happening. And, and, uh, but yeah, you know what it reminded me of though, Molly was game seven of the 2017 world series. The Astros get that lead and the Dodgers have a chance to come back 
And it was, I think it was, it was Bellinger. Over, over right? and over and over again. Just, right. yes, they, they just left so many hitters on base. It and, was ridiculous. But I mean, it was yeah. Bellinger and Seager who had terrible back-to-back at-bats. And, uh, and the game was over once that yeah. happened. Ellen, did you think, you couldn't have thought the game was over. Obviously, you were still in full hope mode. Um, but that probably did take a piece out of you when Hoskins went down. It did, yeah. Be, like, because of my belief in that moment. Yeah. That, like, actually I expected, it, you know, not necessarily a Hoskdong, uh, <laughs> my name for a, a Hoskins Homer, but, like, I expected, I just actually expected a good thing to happen. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's it's also, obviously I didn't have this stat at the time, but Verlander was walking, guys. Oh, yeah. I was I was there at the game with my friend Rick Gold, who is an editor for MLB, and he had shared some fact about, like, the last time Verlander walked four guys was in, like, 2016, you know, and there were, like, whole months where he only walked four people in the entire month. And so for all of these things to be the case and for the Phillies not to be able to capitalize was – very disheartening but it was also disheartening the later reese hoskins moment in the game when jose altuve was on third and uh i think it was jordan alvarez hit a grounder towards reese and if he hadn't kind of muffed it he might have been able to go home with a throw yeah altuve wouldn't have run altuve would have gone back to third because it was he would have been dead a dead duck so yeah so yeah that's you know that's also that's the run that's the difference of the game and you know and and there's also the innumerable times that nick castellanos had a chance to to do something with a runner in scoring position and like you know just looks like a defensive specialist at this point and uh and you know there was also there was the time when um you know segura had just singled in castellanos and so like bedlam at the bank everybody is like yeah we've seen this movie we know they're coming back Segura gets a single next it's gonna be you know two out trouble and uh well although there was only one out and it was just too bad that though brandon marsh is is a young ball player and i love him uh he just couldn't get a fly ball to get stott home from third and, 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 again, you know, or a grounder the other way. You know what I mean? Like right. it didn't even need to be a hit. It just needed to be a productive out. And instead he struck out. And so, yeah, I mean, obviously the very last heartbreak was, and I had quite excellent seats for this. I was I was sitting sort of like just past, on the first level, just past the Astros dugout. And I am used to sitting all the way in the top, which is like normally the seats that I can afford. Sure. And uh, so I wasn't used to not actually being able to see the game very well, especially because <laughs> everybody was standing. So like, I appreciate your information that it wasn't a good at bat for Reese Hoskins. Like I honestly couldn't tell from where I was sitting, but from where I was sitting when JT Romero hit that ball and like far, far in the distance, I just see Chaz McCormick running. Right. So I know he's not lining it up. And what I also see is the little like anemone of hands in the stands coming together. And I think, Oh my God, JT Romero has saved us again. And then to not even get like a double out yeah. of it was, I mean, one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever witnessed in my life. Yeah, yeah it was I a mean, great play. Yeah, the the from the catch itself was really good, but for me, it was the fact that he held on to it after yeah. he smashed face first into that 
that metal meshing yeah yeah, i mean that is like that is like getting trucked by a you know a linebacker you know (laughs) over the middle and holding on to the football because that is a that is really hard um i mean i just and and we're we're big reese hoskins people here on this podcast we're all fans i mean his wife sent me photos of tweeted me photos of their dog on the day i was having a bad day Mm. and called for dog pics you know we we love these people so it's just it sucked to see him go over you know over five with four strikeouts and then that play i mean he kept it in front of him and still got an out but it winds up being the difference in the game like it didn't didn't make any of us happy on this podcast to be honest if we're just talking about i also love reese hoskins and i'm always rooting for him and like absolutely hate it when you know when people will boo him i'm a i'm a big don't boo your own own team. I mean, I will boo the other team as long as there is breath in my lungs and life in my body, but I will never boo my own team. And so, yeah, like I'm always really rooting for Reese Hoskins too. And so it just makes me really sad at the end of the day that he doesn't get to feel like he's a good baseball player. Well, he's still, there's still time. Him. I mean, I, I, here I am, you know, a depressed person being the optimist in this, in this zoom, I really, I have not written the Phillies off. I've just, I've, as a totally neutral observer, I have seen them claw their way back and improbable. I mean, my jaw has dropped multiple times in this October, starting with that crazy Cardinals game when they came back in the ninth inning. Um, you know, I, I just, I'm not ready to call this series over yet. No, I don't think you call it over. I, I do think, it's a long uphill climb. It, and that's why I was saying it's so important to get some version of Wheeler out there. Because I, I think you can yeah. look at these final two games with, with two different scenarios. With no Wheeler, who starts game five, who starts, who starts game six, who starts game seven? Alan, who, who starts game six and seven with no Wheeler? I mean, I, I don't you know. know. Don't I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like Suarez could certainly start Game Seven if we get to Game Seven. Sure. Um. What you know, which would be great, sure. obviously, and because you'd have Nola available if he. And you'd, you'd have, have Nola available out of the pen for well, Game Seven. Everyone available, yeah. But I mean, I would guess that no matter what happens, Wheeler is going to start Game Six. It is possible that he doesn't go very deep into yeah. the game if he's not effective. But the thing that I was going to say earlier, you know, about the 2019 Nationals is Strasburg was so key yes. in, yeah. in that. And so if we can get, I mean, not even like what we got out of Strasburg in those uh, in those last two games, but if we can get something like that out of Wheeler, if we can just get Wheeler going back to being his a self in this game, then I do think that the Phillies have a real chance. Absolutely. Absolutely. And- That's why I say there are two scenarios. To me, the scenario of a good Zach Wheeler, sure. Absolutely. Look, you could, this goes to a game seven and everybody's on, on table. Everybody can pitch. Everybody can go. Um, yeah. I mean, I think you feel, I don't, I don't know who the Astros would start in a game seven. If to it goes to game honest. seven, I'm, I'm, I'm not a betting person. I, I, it gives me too much anxiety, but if it does go to a game seven and I were a betting person, I would bet on the Phillies. Um, I, yeah. But well, I, but I that's don't know. Your, that's no, but I mean, that's your, 
that's part of your chaos theory, which I think is very good theory. And if it well, goes to seven, because we have Suarez versus McCullers, and, and I, I don't think you start McCullers. I, I think, think maybe you start Javier. You start again, Javier yeah. on short exactly. Rest, that's what I'm saying. Sh- that's, that, why I, that's, that's why. That's why I don't like it. Then he's on short rest, and, exactly. and there's lots you can. Who knows what happens, and and yeah. all of that. But six is the one, and I think that that if you have yeah. a even he doesn't have to be a fully operational Zach Wheeler. He just needs to, if he can be a five inning keep you in the game, Zach Wheeler, then fine. Then, you know, let the chips fall where they may. What I don't think will happen, and again, it's baseball, anything can happen. What I don't think will happen is I don't think the Phillies are going to do much against Framber. I just think, I think Framber is their best starter. And, and you know, I mean, even, even with Verlander winning the Cy Young, the guy I would trust most, I mean, Javier is a whole other animal, but, the guy I trust most is Framber, and and he's going to start Game Six at home on full rest, and that's a that's a mighty task. That's a mighty task. So, you know, you you, you maybe you scrape a run or two off of him, but you need to be in the game going into the bullpens, and then and then hope hope for the best. And uh, you know that's where you need a Zach Wheeler. That that to me is the key, the whole key. Yeah. Well. You know, I was actually thinking about the success that Ranger Suarez had in Game 3, and he's a slightly different pitcher now that he's added a pretty effective curveball and a cutter. You know, he was actually going to the cutter a lot in this game. Obviously, I was in Section 309, so I don't know a lot about his pitch movement, but normally I associate good Ranger Suarez has his changeup working, which it actually didn't really seem to me like it was, just from kind of what was called for a ball and stuff like that. Um, and it seemed to me like he was going to his cutter a lot. But regardless, he's still a ground ball pitch to contact guy. And that actually worked really, really well with the Astros, that he wasn't trying to strike them out. He was just trying to get them to hit rinky-dink balls that would be very easy for even the Phillies to field. And so what I was sort of thinking is I wish that the other Phillies starters could take a lesson from that and it doesn't it didn't really seem to me super plausible that Aaron Nola could particularly because his like best ground ball inducing pitch is his changeup, which just hasn't been as good for whatever reason since 2020 where it was very excellent um and on the other hand like that's something that's really in Zach Wheeler's toolkit you know we saw him do that a lot in in 2020 and everybody was actually kind of baffled like where did the strikeouts go and i was like zach wheeler's just trying to go as far as he possibly can into the game and he has all of these different kinds of ways to be a pitcher in his arsenal and so i don't know i mean maybe maybe that's my hope whether or not it's just because he's trying to get as much length as he can or whether it's some sort of a game plan of like, let's shift the way that you're trying to pitch to not try to get strikeouts, but just try to induce ground balls. I don't know. I feel like that could maybe be key. Well, it certainly could. It certainly could. That The problem is the Astros are really good, right? I mean, they're really good. This The, the Astros have done this. They have taken a three to two lead with Jordan Alvarez being broken. Basically, yeah. I don't know what I, the bro- I broke him. You broke him. I broke him. We broke him together on that same day. Thank you both. Thank but, you. I mean, Jeremy Pena, like, right. holy crap. I mean, he's who the Astros needed as well because he doesn't have the stink from the cheating scandal on him. 
You know, it's not like, oh, here we go again with Altuve or Bregman or even Gurriel. No, this guy is like brand new and he didn't cheat. He's not implicated in any of it. He's sort of like the palate cleanse. I mean, I know the Astros are hated and I get it. It's going to take a while for people to forget it. But like, I I, I don't have anything against Jeremy Pena. I mean, he's awesome. No, no he's terrific. You know? Well, yeah, I, but I, I think, think, look, the, the Astros at this point, what the Phillies have done the Astros have no, they don't even know who to play at DH. They literally have no idea. He's pulling people off the street to be the DH. Like he's like calling friends. I mean, like does no idea. Dusty has no idea who his DH is. His best hitter is completely lost. I don't know if you guys heard, well, Ellen, you wouldn't have heard because you weren't watching on TV. Um, but they were talking about, uh, I think it was, um, I think it was Ken, Kenny Rosenthal telling the story about, he went to the cage for some extra work and then it was like, oh, I got it. And then he went in the game and he was terrible. So then he's like, oh, I got to go back to the cage. And he went back to the cage and then left the cage saying, oh, man, I'm completely lost. I don't know what to do. And then he went back to the cage. I mean, like he's been linked to the cage like five different times trying to like change his swing. The guy is completely lost. I mean, yeah, he can't. He looks lost. He looks lost. It's scary because one mistake and one click and the ball's going to go. Absolutely. Well, that's what you think was going to happen with Castellanos, right? You're going to have one line drive and it's going to change everything. But nothing's right going with him. Kyle Tucker, who looked like he was going to be the hero this series, he looks lost. Since he hit the two home runs, he's been completely lost. Um, You know, Bregman has been like, not not that great. So, you know, it's Mm -hmm. not like the, the Astros are not without problems they have problems they're the phillies are very much in their in their heads as pitchers so it's again not impossible by any stretch to to just get through game six and then force a game seven and then anything can happen it's just you you framber is going to be so good you you gotta get wheeler you just gotta you gotta have a wheeler that can that can be out there getting outs the only thing that I would disagree with is the notion that that uh, Kyle Tucker and Alex Bregman cannot hit because they were both pretty instrumental in game four. Like, I feel like that was where a lot of the damage came from in that game. And obviously, like, they, the game they, ended they, up they, being what it was. So if the Astros had scored only one right, run, the Phillies still There wasn't really a need to yeah. be instrumental in game four but, since they threw a no-hitter. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. Muriel, I watch him and I'm like, this guy will not strike out. And that, no. it's so freaking valuable. Muriel's ridiculous. I mean, ridiculous. it's so valuable in this game, in this day and age, like, to not, to, like, never freaking strike. He finally struck out last night. And it was like, what? Just, it was the first it, time yeah. of the postseason, right? First that he struck out. That he struck out, and he's also like Gurriel came to the to the big leagues after years and years in Cuba, and you just kind of get the sense he's like he's like he's like probably one of the great pure hitters of our time, and we just we just never saw him doing it in Cuba. Yeah. But I mean, you know, now he's he's however old he is. Um, He's just a good hitter. He they just, just put the ball. They put the ball in play, like you know, which is what happened last night on that grounder to Hoskins. Um, yeah, it's the reason why they're so tough to beat. Um, even when things aren't, even when Alvarez is a mess and other hitters aren't. Well, that's doing the thing. They, they've got some Altuve guys that had been a mess for weeks. I mean, yeah, they still they they freaking put the ball in play. The bottom of their lineups and putting the ball in play, and it's just it's just they're pesky. The other thing they're doing now, it feels more and more, and I would not be surprised to see more of this, 
is they're just not even challenging Harper anymore. They, they've, they've, it seems like yeah. they've, I mean, they did Verlander for some reason that's sort of inexplicable did try to challenge him and he ripped that double. But after that, they don't, they, they're, they don't want to pitch to, to Harper. And, you know, that's a scary notion is, you know, you, they, they, they get an early lead and then suddenly they're like, well, we're not gonna let Harper beat us. And who else, who will, who will? You know, that's I, this is why I, I've been saying I would switch up the lineup and have Harper hit in front of Real Muto and not Castellanos, but no one asked me. So what do you think of that, Ella? I mean, I think that sounds like a great idea and I don't think that it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would frankly, I I feel like uh, and, and I, I don't mean to be mean to anybody in particular, but I feel like at this particular moment in history, I would rather have literally anybody else in the Phillies. 40-man roster batting behind Harper than Castellanos yeah. like like and I and I feel like I just gauge that given the amount of hope that I have when somebody ca comes up yep. you know that I was always just like oh Castellanos please don't be out like do whatever you got to do like please just like walk like get it to Bohm yeah you know like I had more faith in Bohm just making something happen yeah. uh so yeah I I just I think that in some ways Rob Thompson is always going to like dance with the guy who brought him, sure. which is not panicking, not changing the lineup, making sure that the players know that they feel like he has faith in them and he's just going to stay the course. Like I, I, I don't, I really don't see him changing the lineup around as much no, as I think I it would advantage him to do so. Flip those two hitters. Just flip those two. Don't keep Castellanos yeah. in his spot. That's fine. You're going to hit Harper. Castellanos third? Now you're going to say Castellanos? No, 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 no Harper third and then Real Muto. Yeah, so there's like a little bit of protection. Oh, you're, you're flipping Harper and, and what do you call it? Um, yeah, you could do that. You could, I want to, I mean, I want Harper. I mean, I want Harper hitting second, but whatever. I mean, just, but you could go. Schwarber, Hoskins, Harper, Real Muto, then, then you Castellanos. You could do that. One but, thing I thought yesterday, it was the first time I really thought this about the Phillies. Um, I thought that Verlander could not do anything with lefties. I thought his his big problem, like lefties were seeing the ball out of his hand uh, mm -hmm. like all, all the whole time, I thought. And it's like, wow, this is really a right-handed lineup. Even against a guy like Verlander, like you're really counting kind of, mean, Schwarber, obviously saw him and Harper obviously saw him, but the rest of it is, you know, real Muto who, you know, he looked a little worn out until the final at bat. Uh, obviously Hoskins struggled, uh, Castellano struggled. So, and bomb and, and the other guys it's, you know, but that's you, this is who you are at this point. And it is interesting to me that Harper hits fourth. Like that's, that's a very old fashioned, like we put our best hitter in the cleanup spot. Like nobody else kind of does that anymore. Do they like that? That is a very 1980s kind of thinking, it. you know, I hate it so much. <laughs> I would, I would bat him lead off, but I do like Schwarber in the lead off spot. So then I just, I would bat him second. I want him to get, you know, I don't want the season to end with him on deck, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I feel like third makes the most sense. That's great. Yeah. Or, or, I mean, obviously, or second. And I feel like Harper spent a lot of the time of his entire career dating back to his time on the Nationals batting second or third. Yeah. You don't so. want him second. You don't want a second with Schwarber. You don't want those two left. That, that's right. So bottom right. third. Yeah. I mean, just, just, 
we're, we're missing out on too many potential bats, right? I mean, I, I think that's, I think that's right. I mean, look, I, you know, you can make up too much of lineup construction anyway, but I do think you cannot make too much of the fact that Nick Castellanos at this point instills no confidence, yeah. none, none. And look, the guy's been a great hitter. He's been a great hitter in his career. When, when they got him, you were like, I was like, I know Ellen, you and I talked about it. Like, this guy's going to hit. That's all he's ever done is hit, you know? And it's been all season. He's really not really hit. And in the postseason, he just – he had that crazy 10-pitch at bat where it looked like he was really kind of getting on to uh, – and then nothing, nothing. Nothing came out of it. Yeah, well, there was a game, and I think it was – uh, and I apologize that they're slightly blending together to, for me, but I think it was maybe one of the early NLCS games where he roped a double to the opposite field. Yes. And that was what made me really, really excited. And I thought, oh boy, are we going to get the good version of Nick Castellanos? Because particularly the issue with him this year is, you know, obviously we're we're all most familiar with the deep drive to left, but he actually has also had opposite field power, whether or not that's homers, that has been extra base hits. And that is specifically the thing that has been completely missing for Castellanos for some reason. Like he can still dink it into the outfield for yep. <laughs> an opposite field single but he absolutely like i don't know it felt to me like it was the first time i'd seen any kind of opposite field power from him and i'm sure that that's anecdotal and not true but emotionally that is what it felt like and you know obviously the overall home run total is also very different from what i think we were expecting for nick castellanos oh, yeah. but way down just wait i mean there's there's no way it's just anecdotal the guy slugged 389 i mean it's that's 200 points less than the year before i mean his yeah his power was sapped i mean it really truly was sapped and whether it was because the opposite field power when that guy was when he was hitting you know 58 doubles for the cubs i mean I, we actually it's funny i went to a cubs game with uh, mike shore and nick offerman and we saw him hit three doubles that day or something. So now every time he hits a double, Nick Offerman will text me like, hey, our guy's hitting doubles again, you know. <laughs> but it hasn't happened very much. And it's it's like, it's, it, I don't know. I don't know. He, he doesn't look the same. He doesn't look right. You're not going to fix him now. So I do think that, you know, look, I have no idea what it would do. But it, it would be... It would be interesting if they flipped those two guys, Real Muto and him, and basically said, look, you want to pitch around Harper or or not challenge him or whatever, fine, you got to deal with Real Muto rather than having to deal with Castellanos. I think that that would be an interesting move. I can't wait until we're back Monday at a podcast after the Phillies have won the World Series on and a, he's home, hit run. Three home, a runs. home run from Nick Castellanos. <laughs> and he has already trademarked and there's a drive by Castellanos <laughs> because it is now like a national <laughs> rallying cry. <laughs> Morph made more, more memeable than it's, ever. <laughs> it's the best. That's why it's baseball. Yeah, All right, we got to wrap it I up. Want. We got to wrap it up. So, around... but if you can just lay off the low and away breaking balls, <laughs> that would be also like just a fine I mean, outcome. Yeah, that would be as good. The most ran I saw Travis Ishikawa hit a home run to win the Giants the pennant. You know, ten it years can ago, happen. anything it can, can happen. happen. It can happen. Okay. All right, last last word. 
Uh, Ellen, you're leaving the country. What's going to happen while you're gone? Well, I mean, I will, I will, I will still be watching. I just deeply don't want to make a prediction right now. All right. I, fe- I feel like very much that the only way that they can possibly win is if I do not in any way expect for what Molly Knight just said to come true. Okay. And that I expect that they're going to fall in game six and that then they defy that expectation that somehow it's sort of like the weird cyclical nature of that song about the woman, you know, you don't know you're beautiful. That's what makes you beautiful. If it's something like that, like you don't know you're going to win and that's what makes you win is the song about the Phillies. All right. So Uh Phillies relying on Ellen's sincere belief that they're not going to win okay uh molly your prediction is it okay for me to say if zach wheeler can be decent tomorrow i don't even mean like dominant i mean decent keep them in the game through five innings okay the Phillies will win the World Series. All right. That, I that, think that's, that's a good. That's, I think that's, that's good. That's bold enough, right? I think, yeah. that's, I think that's, that's very bold. I think that's okay. very bold, especially because we yes. really don't know. We don't we, know. We have I, no I, idea. And I literally we, would not be surprised to wake up tomorrow morning to tweets saying Zach Wheeler is not starting tonight. Right. Like, I mean, or, or, he's, or he starts, but but he's on a 20 pitch 20, pitch count. Right. Or, I mean, or he comes out throwing 89 miles an hour. Look, I mean, we don't. We He's going to try to do do anything. I mean, I never thought I would see Max Scherzer, of all people, not be able to take the freaking ball yeah. last NLCS last year because he had a dead arm. I mean, that guy is like, you have to, you know, usually you'd have to be dead. Hold him back. There. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, really, I like it. I, I like I yeah. like that prediction. I, I I think that that all predictions about Zach Wheeler are, are silly because we have no idea what we're going to get out of Zach Wheeler. But yeah, I mean, if this goes to a seven, uh, I I I like the Phillies' chances a lot. I really do. But got to get to a seven. We'll find out. Right. Ellen, have a great time. Thanks so much, Molly. Awesome seeing you again. Always, 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 guys. Thanks let's for let's, having let's me again. For a game seven, for the good of the country, we all need a game seven. We, we all need, need a game, game seven. seven. It's we fun, do. right? Let's we'll decrease the length of the off season. Yeah, I mean, Joe and <laughs> By I are as much as possible. Joe and I are objective here. We're not Phillies or Astros fans. We right. want game seven. We just want a game seven. And want. also the Phillies have never been in a postseason game seven, not in oh, any yeah. kind of series. So, you know, that's right. the kind of history that I can root for. There you go. <laughs> We're rooting for a game seven. Thanks, yeah. guys.